0: Please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Hey, you guys, I just want to give you a heads up that during this episode, we there's going to be a part towards the end of the episode where we had something really crazy happening, sort of like a ghost whisper into our microphone. And instead of me editing all of that out, because we've never had anything like, this happened to us before, I decided to leave it in. So there will be a little whisper, a weird whisper type thing in the middle of me talking. And Matt and I both heard it loud and clear in our headphones during recording. And so you will hear us both asking what that was and going on for a minute. It scared the daylights out of us. And so I decided to leave it on in here. And um, we hope you enjoy our little ghost whisper. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Lenny. And I'm Matt. It's Christmas week.
1: It is Christmas week. I'm excited. Me too. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Because it's a four-day work week. And at least for me, Mm -hmm. it is for you too. Yeah, it is. I hope most of you guys out there too, it's a four-day work week. You're off Friday since Christmas falls on a weekend this year.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And Santa Claus is coming.
1: He's coming to town.
0: And... (laughs) Our grandkids are super excited.
1: Yeah, and that's fun. Yeah, and we get to bake a lot of things that I get to look at. And that, not but we can't eat because so we
0: are losing weight. We have goals.
1: That's right. Goals. Now we will eat some stuff on Christmas Eve. Don't let's Hells, not yeah. let's not get it wrong, people. And Christmas Day, but then we'll be right back to our uh, scheduled.
0: Yeah. I am looking forward to it. Yes. This past weekend, we had an early Christmas with Matt's family, Mm -hmm. which was kind of cool. Yeah, it was nice. We did a quick gift exchange, and yeah, it's our grandson's first Christmas, Yeah. so I'm excited for him for that, even though he's only 10 months old. He's not going to remember anything. It's still going to be fun. No. And yeah. Anyway. Christmas week. Yay. So, yeah, in honor of Christmas, though, we are going to cover the not so cheery and definitely predictable Christmas time podcast show. <laughs> <laughs> I swear everybody does this show yeah. around Christmas. Oh, yeah. At least you, one Christmas during their podcasting. Okay. Yeah. You would know. John Benet Ramsey.
1: Yes. And this one, of course, was huge. Right. Everyone knows Big. this story. If you For don't know years. this story,
0: then you're not living on this planet. Right. So, yeah. We're going to cover it, though. And we're not going to make it into like a part one, two, three thing like we could. I am just going to cover the story itself. Okay. 30 minutes. All right. I like the it. I'm quick excited. Quick John Binet Ramsey
1: lowdown to lowdown. refresh your mind and yes. your memory.
0: Yep. Yep. and, and I,
1: maybe some new things that people didn't know.
0: Maybe, but I doubt it. I don't know. I you doubt never know. it. We'll see.
1: We all can learn.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we know that there is a lot of controversy surrounding this case, and it was never officially solved. So let's mm. just jump right in. Okay. John Benet Ramsey was born on August 6, nineteen ninety, in Atlanta, Georgia. She was the youngest child of her two, of two. Sorry, her mom was Patricia Ramsey who went by Patsy, and her dad was John John Bennett Ramsey, which is where she got her name. She had an older brother named Burke, who was born in 1987. And John Bennett was named for both of her parents by combining her dad's first and middle name and her mom's first name. So her dad's name was you know John Bennett, and she's John Bennett. And her middle name was um, Elizabeth. Okay. For Patricia Elizabeth. Like, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, which I think is kind of sweet that they combine their mm-hmm. names into yeah. their little girl because that's that's just sweet. But anyway, John Binet went to High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder, Colorado. Her family was pretty well off. John Ramsey was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. He went to high school in Michigan and graduated from Michigan State University in 1966 with a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. He got his MBA from MSU also in 1971. He became the president of Access Graphics, a computer software company that later became a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. In 1996, the company grossed over a billion dollars, and he was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Boulder Chamber of Commerce. Okay, He was doing really He's well. He was doing really well. John had previously been married to another woman but was divorced in 1978 and had two children with his first wife, which I I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: He moved his new growing family to Boulder in 1991 and was just set from there. Just living a good life. Living a good life, yep. Patricia Ramsey was born in Parkersburg, West Virginia. She graduated from Parkersburg High School in 1975. She went to the West Virginia University, and she graduated with her bachelor's degree in journalism in 1978. Patsy was an American beauty pageant winner who won the, the Miss, West, Miss West Virginia pageant when she was 20 years old in 1977. She married John in November of 1980, and they moved to Atlanta. And then after the kids were born, they moved to Boulder. I, I can't remember where they met. Yeah, But Patsy wanted JonBenet to follow in her footsteps, so she started entering her into beauty contests from a very young age. And before Binet was even six, she had won a few titles. <laughs> right?
1: She had won a f- few titles.
0: She had. She yeah. won America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix. I, I know I'm uh-huh. saying these wrong. Right. but Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl and National Tiny Miss Beauty.
1: All right. Wow, she, she actually she's had some doing some things. Yeah,
0: before she's even six, which is kind of cute. Mm-hmm. This became a very key point to the media though when Jean Benet was killed. Like they, they focused on the on beauty pageant thing right. well, with Jean Benet, and yeah, I do too. I remember like they made it sound like they were making her grow up too fast and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And sure, I really don't know. Like kids, I mean,
1: we don't know. Like besides the beauty pageant stuff, were they was she just being allowed to be just a little girl. Right? I
0: guarantee you she I mean, probably was. I mean, I can't imagine, I mean, I don't know. I can't I shouldn't say I guarantee you. I don't know. I would hope that her parents just let her be Yeah. little. Right. except during the times when she was doing the beauty pageant, but mm-hmm. I've never been in a pageant, so I don't know what it takes to get ready for yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah. so I I can't I can't speak right. to that, but I hope she was able to just be a little girl who played with her toys and stuff, hung mm-hmm. out with her friends. Mm-hmm. So, on December 26, 1996, Patsy found a three-page ransom note sitting on the stairs demanding $118,000 for her daughter's safe return. That's what she woke up to the day after Christmas. $118,000. let
1: us yeah. make this kind of number. Well, what, I'll
0: explain it. Okay. So she and John checked JonBenet's bedroom and she wasn't there. They looked around the house quickly and didn't find her. The note warned them not to involve police, but Patsy immediately called them anyway. And weirdly, she called some friends and family to help search for John Binet right after she talked to police, which okay. is strange.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So police arrived at the residence. Now, at-
1: now wait, mm-hmm. why did you say why do you think it's strange? Just because if you're friends.
0: okay, can I just like put yourself in that situation? You wake up in the morning, you find a stupid ransom note, mm-hmm. you call the police. Why are you picking up the phone to call your family and friends to come help you? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm gonna wait for police. I'm not going to get anyone else involved because I don't know what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Has she really been kidnapped? Like, would you would you call your family and friends? Hey, come help us. Our right. kids missing.
1: Right. I don't know. I don't know. I
0: don't think I would. Yeah. And I, And if you did, I don't think I would let you. <laughs> Like I don't need anyone else here getting under my skin. Like, yeah. what do you think happened and that kind of stuff? Like, hell no, I don't want to talk to anyone. Right. But people I understand are, what you're saying. You know. So yeah. I I think it's weird that she called family and friends mm-hmm. to come over. Okay. Like, come join our drama.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, but no. maybe like search or hey, can you go go here? Or can go you there maybe or maybe or... but maybe
0: but let the police get there and and talk to them first. Right. Why are you calling the police and then immediately calling your friends and family?
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Wouldn't
0: you want to talk to the cops first? Yeah. Let them organize a search party or whatever. Sure. It just, I find it strange that she called her family and friends right after she called the cops. Okay. They hadn't even arrived and family and friends were there.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So, police arrived at the residence at 5.55 that morning, but they didn't find any signs of forced entry, and they began searching everywhere except the basement, which I also... (laughs) find a little i thought was a little strange until later like i explained this too so oh well actually i think let, let me just say one officer he does go to the basement during the search but when he got to the basement door he saw it was secured from the inside with a wooden latch so he just walked away without opening it and he later explained that he was looking for exit routes used by the kidnapper and so the fact that this door was locked from the inside he knew it wouldn't be possible to exit that way. So he didn't go any further. Okay. So I, under- I understand that. Right. Unfortunately, though, if he had opened this door, he would have found her body. Wow. Yeah, it was just right, right right, in there. Right in that room. Yeah. John also pointed out to police that the amount noted on the ransom note, this is what I said, i would tell you later. Okay. That it was the, ex- the exact amount of his Christmas bonus that year. Which suggested that someone close to them who would have known that wrote the note.
1: Yeah. How would you not?
0: Right. Right. Somebody
1: in the business.
0: Someone. Someone that knew. Someone knew how much he made. And so that's what they demanded. Interesting. In the ransom note. So the FBI noted that it is unusual for a ransom note to be written at the site of an abduction. And the police believed the note was staged because the only prints found on it were Patsy's and the authorities who handled the note. And because of its unusual use of exclamation marks and initialisms in it, the note and a practice draft were proven to have been written with a pen and notepad from their own home. That's also yeah. kind of weird, yeah, it is right? Weird. The Colorado Bureau of Investigations noted that there were indications that the note was written by Patsy, and so did a forensic pathologist who reviewed it. So
1: they thought it was Patsy?
0: Who wrote the note, that right? That wrote it, okay. Mm-hmm. Later, though, a federal court would rule that it was highly unlikely that Patsy wrote the note, but citing, by citing six handwriting experts who compared it.
1: Kind of looked at her writing mm-hmm. and had her write stuff just right. to see. Mm-hmm.
0: So I still think Patsy probably wrote the note or someone inside the house because the FBI would know if it's normal. Mm-hmm. And they found yeah. the same stationery and pen and all that. Like, it just doesn't make sense. No. It's, that's just one of the weird mysteries in this case, right? Yeah, for sure. So, before John Binet's body was found, there were a lot of mistakes made. The only room that was cordoned off was John Binet's room, and the friends and family were allowed to freely roam around the home, picking things up and potentially destroying evidence. Most likely did, right?
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: There were some who even picked up and cleaned the kitchen thinking they were being helpful, but they were likely destroying evidence. They were cleaning. Yeah.
1: That's bad.
0: The Boulder Police Department also shared evidence they found with the family and friends, and they delayed conducting formal interviews. So they're like, oh, we found this, we found that. Telling them yeah. what they're finding.
1: Right.
0: That's not, not normal. No. It was like they completely broke pro- protocol in all the things they were doing during their initial searches. Right. During all of this, John was making arrangements to pay the ransom, too. Like, he is getting ready, which I find normal. If if I think that someone's kidnapped my kid, I'm going to also do what I can to sure. start making arrangements sure. to get this paid to get my kid back, right? Right. A forensic team was dispatched to the home, and they all believed that jean Monet had been kidnapped at this point. They can't find her. Mm-hmm. A Boulder detective got there around 8 in the morning, hoping the kidnappers would call, but there was never any attempt to contact the household. No one ever called about it.
1: Yeah.
0: At 1 that afternoon... The detectives asked John and a family friend to go around the house to see if anything was missing or looked odd to them because they weren't finding anything. The first place they looked was the basement and that I found odd. Why is that the first first place place. you guys finally, like, why is that the first place you guys went?
1: Yeah. Did they say, hey, let's go from top to bottom. Let's go start some."
0: I don't know, maybe, right. maybe, but oh. I still find it odd that the first place they went was the basement, knowing that no one else had gone in there. Yeah. But they found Binet's body, which totally like, again, that totally blows me away. Why? It's almost like you went straight to it and said, okay, it's time to find her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like I get why people thought they were involved. Mm-hmm. So I I just, the whole thing is why didn't they look there earlier? It really doesn't make any sense to me. But when they find her, John immediately picked her up and brought her upstairs, which destroyed potential evidence by disturbing the crime scene. Yep. Her mouth was covered with duct tape. A nylon cord was found around her wrists and neck, and her torso was covered by a white blanket. After this, each of the members of the Ramsey family had to provide a handwriting, blood, and hair samples to the to the police after they found the body. Now they're like, oh, now we need your samples. Yeah. Um, John and Patsy had to participate in a preliminary interview for more than two hours, but they weren't separated, which is another big no-no. Yeah. And Burke was interviewed within the first couple of weeks after her death. Yeah. That's weeks. Bad. Yeah. Not immediately. Right. The yeah. autopsy showed that John Bonet had been killed by strangulation and a skull fracture. The official cause of death was, quote, asphyxia by strangulation associated with a craniocerebral trauma. End quote. And that was a mouthful. It was. The examination didn't show any conventional signs of rape, but sexual assault couldn't be ruled out. There was no semen found, but there was some vaginal injury. The pathologist recorded that it looked like the vagina had been cleaned with a cloth. Oh. Right. Hmm. So she most likely was raped or sexually assaulted. Yeah. A garotte that was made from a length of nylon cord and the broken handle of a paintbrush had been tied around her neck and she had been strangled with it. Part of the bristle end of the paintbrush had been found in a tub that held Patsy's art supplies, but the bottom third of it was never found despite extensive searching of the house, which I found strange too. To a point. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if someone used it, they could have left with it. Right. The autopsy also showed that John Binet had eaten some pineapple a few hours before she died in some of the photographs that had been taken inside the home the day that John Binet's body was found there was a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen table with a spoon in it mm-hmm. when they asked about it later neither John nor Patsy could remember putting the bowl on the table or giving John Binet this pineapple that night yeah they they just remember putting her to bed yeah Police reported that they found Burke's fingerprints on the bowl, indicating that he gave her the pineapple. So her brother probably gave her the pineapple. Okay. And this contradicts what John and Patsy had insisted on, which was that Burke had been asleep the entire night and not woken up until after, you know, several hours after the police had arrived at the home. There was a mixed blood sample found in John Bonnet's underwear also, and this became very useful in December of 2003, when that sample was able to be used to produce a DNA profile. So they do have a DNA profile of her attacker. Okay. The DNA belonged to an unknown male person and excluded the DNA of each of the Ramsey family members. Really? Yeah. But for years leading up to that. Yeah. They were accusing Burke Mm -hmm. mom and dad, Mm -hmm. but I mean the media like, persecuted them right but with good reason i think there was like legitimate stuff it was all situation right but it was all circumstantial but Mm -hmm. but it all pointed to them yeah so i get why everyone was like the parents did it or the family did it or whatever yeah so this new dna profile that was established was submitted to the fbi's codis which is a database that has more than 1.6 million dna profiles but the samples didn't match any of them And in October of 2016, the report said that new forensic analysis with more sensitive techniques showed that the original DNA contained genetic markers from two different people other than JonBenet. So her attacker, there were two. Mm. The lead investigator at the DA's office said there were additional traces of male DNA found on the cord and paintbrush that um, Boulder DA Mary Lacey didn't mention And that there were six separate DNA samples belonging to unknown individuals that were found by the test, which is kind of crazy. Former FBI profiler Candace DeLong believes the DNA belongs to the killer since it showed up in several different places on multiple surfaces in the home. And I tend to agree with like, I, yeah, duh.
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Everyone who has had access to these results believes the DNA evidence is significant, saying that any resolution of the case would have to explain how the DNA showed up on several pieces of Jeanne's clothing. However, forensic pathologist Michael Baden said, quote, "Trace amounts of DNA can get on places and clothing from all different non-suspicious means. There is no forensic evidence to show that this is a, a stranger murder." End quote. I I don't know. I am not an expert or anything, but I tend to think if it's showing if it's DNA pulled from her underwear and stuff like that, why would that not? Yeah. Point towards a stranger murder right even with the new dna evidence though investigators don't think that completely exonerating john and patsy is smart or even should be done until it's conclusively matched so there's a lot of disagreement here too mm-hmm. so some theories in this case are family member and intruder based so we know the police initially concentrated on John and Patsy, a retired profiler, said statistically there's a 12 to 1 probability that a family member or caregiver is the murderer. Uh, and this is typical. In this case, all signs were pointing that direction because police saw no signs of forced entry. But they did see evidence of staging of the scene. For yeah. example, the the ransom note. hmm they also didn't think the Ramseys were being cooperative, even though the parents said that their reluctance was due to their fear that there would be there would not be a full investigation for intruders. Yeah, and that they they would be pointed at as the main suspects right away. And I get that it happens. Right. I, I can see that fear. Yeah. It's like legitimate. Sure. So the first theory is that Patsy hit Jean Bonnet while in a rage after a bedwetting accident and strangled her to cover up what happened after she mistakenly thought she killed her with the blow. Mm. The problem with this theory is that Patsy didn't have a history of a bad temper or uncontrolled anger. Her brother Burke pointed out that um, they didn't even get spanked, let alone any type of punishment that would have led her to killing her own child. Yeah, He said there was no abuse, so this theory absolutely didn't hold, and there's no evidence of any, so Mm -hmm. it didn't hold water. Okay, Burke was nine years old when his sister was killed, and he was interviewed by investigators at least three times. The first two interviews didn't raise any concerns with the child psychologist, even noting that it seemed like the Ramseys had a good family dynamic. The police chief even said in a press conference in 1998 that Burke wasn't involved in the killing of his sister. And in May of 1999, the DA's office said Burke was not a suspect and the investigators never considered him to be a suspect. So the family offered a $100,000 reward in a newspaper ad in April of 1997 and after that, three days later, they were interviewed separately for the first time. This is months, months later. later, yeah. Then in 1999, the Colorado governor spoke out telling the Ramseys to stop hiding behind their attorneys and PR firms. So he's shaming them. Yeah. That same year, the Colorado grand jury voted to indict them. And I thought, I remember this. Do you remember this? Yeah. So the indictment cited two counts of child abuse and said the parents, quote, did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly, and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation that posed a threat of injury to the child's life for health, which resulted in the death of John JonBenet Ramsey, a child under the age of 16, end quote. Hmm.
1: That's interesting.
0: Right? The DA refused to sign the indictment, though, saying there was insufficient evidence for prosecution. The public thought the grand jury investigation had been incomplete had been inconclusive but in 2002 the statute of limitations on the grand jury's charges expired the grand jury's vote wasn't made public until october 2013 when previously sealed court documents were released so people didn't even know that yeah then a show on cbs called the case of john benet ramsey aired on september 18th and 19th 2016 Using a group of experts to evaluate the evidence. We watched this. Uh, remember, Do you remember yeah, that? I kind of
1: remember. It,
0: it was years ago, yeah. yeah. Um, They theorized that Burke hit his sister in the head with a heavy object, possibly a flashlight, after she stole a piece of pineapple from his bowl. Mm. Like, he just <laughs> hit his sister, right? Yeah. Like, kids would. Sure. But he most likely didn't mean to kill her saying that he didn't most likely didn't mean to kill her. They insinuated that John and Patsy tried to help cover up what Burke had done to his sister by creating the scene that they did. However, none of this makes sense to me. I, I, especially when you factor in the DNA. Yes. Knowing what we know now, like that whole thing in 2016, but they, Mm -hmm. they would have had that same information. Like this all came out in 2003. So why they even went ahead and made this. Yeah um, claim a whole show based on it. Just blows my mind. But Burke's lawyers filed a defamation suit against CBS, the producers of the program and several of its participants based on the claims that are made in there. I'm not sure what the outcome was, but he was nine. There was evidence of the sexual assault and the DNA from the two possible sources. So it doesn't add up to it being her brother who did it.
1: Yeah. I'd often thought the same thing, you know, that Burke had some involvement with it and parents were covering up or whatever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whatever happened. But I mean, like you said, the DNA that came out that is unknown.
0: Yeah. Makes it doesn't it just, match anyone in the family. So I'm thinking know. they were correct at the beginning of the investigation and Burke had nothing to do with it. Yeah. That's, that's my opinion. I mm-hmm. don't think he had anything to do with killing his sister. He might've helped her get some pineapple. His fingerprints are on a bowl. Right. Or Someone else gave her the, like, he had the pineapple himself and he went to bed without finishing it and she ate a little bit. And there's so many things that could be oh, yeah. true here. Right. But I don't think he killed her. Yeah. The second theory was the intruder theory. Okay. The police and prosecutors followed leads for intruders, partly due to the unidentified bootmark left in the basement where John Binet's body was found. In the beginning, they had a few persons of interest that they looked into. The first one, unfortunately, was Santa Claus. <laughs> I know. His, he was an actor named Bill McReynolds. Um, the second was a local reporter whose then-girlfriend reported him as a suspect named Chris Wolfe. The family housekeeper, Linda Hoffman-Pugh, Hoffman and a man named Michael Helgeth, who died in an apparent suicide after JonBenet's death,
1: hmm.
0: which I find interesting. Yeah. Hundreds of DNA tests were performed trying to find a match to the DNA recovered during her autopsy, but nothing nothing ever matched up. In the 2003 defamation lawsuit related to the case involving the Ramses, publicly identifying an early suspect in the case, the judge noted that there was no evidence to support the plaintiff's theory and their murdered child, but the abundant evidence to support their beliefs that an intruder entered their home at some point on that night of December twenty fifth, 1996, and killed, her do- killed their daughter. It's it's really sad. Yeah, it is. Um, a detective in the case looked at the evidence and concluded that an intruder did do it. He found that on the night JonBenet was killed, there had been two windows that were left slightly open to allow for electrical cords for the outside Christmas lights to pass through, a broken basement window, and one unlocked door. His theory was that somehow someone entered the home through the broken basement window... And this theory had been questioned by doubters because there was an intact cobweb in the basement window and the steel grate that covered the window also had undisturbed cobwebs. So you'd think if someone went in through there, that would be moved, right? Yeah. And the foliage around the gate was also undisturbed. So people do dispute this, but there were also cobwebs in the tracks of various windows and dust and debris were on some of the windowsills. So people don't think they entered through a window that would have been disturbed yeah. The detective believed that the intruder subdued Jean Bonnet using a stun gun and took her down to the basement and she was killed there and a ransom note was left. His theory was supported by former FBI agent Johnny Douglas, which I find really interesting because I love his Mindhunter. Mindhunter, but yeah. yeah,
1: he's a big, huge contributor. Right, to right. So profiling, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And he had been hired by the Ramsey oh. family to look into the case. What the fuck was that?
1: That freaked me out.
0: What the fuck was that? (laughs) Okay.
1: I like want to leave this open now. That freaked me out.
0: Okay. That's weird. We're going to keep going.
1: You got to see if you get that on. I will.
0: When I'm editing, I'll let you know. Holy fuck.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so he was hired by the Ramses to look into the case, and the detective believed the Ramses were innocent, and he ended up resigning from the investigation on September 20th, 1998, five days after the grand jury was convened against them. Mm-hmm. So he was really adamant that, that they were innocent. He continued to work on this case independently until he died in 2010. An author wrote about how cybercrime specialists argued that Jean Benet had attracted the attention of child pornographers and pedophiles, mm-hmm. asso- uh, you know, affiliated with the child pageant scene. Right. And that the initial investigation was overly focused on her parents, which hampered the investigation into alternate scenarios, and that they were not involved or responsible for the murder other than perhaps unwittingly exposing their daughter to sexual predators. He speculated that this explained why the grand jury did not recommend indicting the parents for murder, but for child abuse or endangerment for placing their daughter in a risky situation, which is sad. Like you're blaming the parents still. Mm Mm-hmm. As it went there, were more than 100 burglaries in the neighborhood in the months prior to her murder. Jeez. Right. That's huge. Yep. And there were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile radius of their home. Golly. Right. In 2001, the county prosecutor and sheriff's detective said that there should be a more aggressive investigation of the intruder theory. They didn't really look into this. They just went straight to blaming the parents, which is what Patsy and... John were afraid was going to happen. Mm -hmm. One of the suspects identified by the detective who resigned was Gary Howard Oliva. He was arrested for two counts of attempted sexual exploitation of a child and one count of sexual exploitation of a child in June 2016. He was registered sex offender and was publicly identified as a suspect in October 2002 on an episode of 48 Hours Investigates. Another documentary called "The Killing of Jean Binet: The Truth Uncovered" that was broadcast on A&E in September of 2016 said that an unidentified male was responsible for John Binet's death based on forensic DNA analysis of evidence, which we already have talked about. Mm-hmm. The DA's office section that investigated pedophiles went public about follow the you know following the intruder theory. There was a false confession by a lady named Alexis Reich in 2006, but it was proven. That this was false later on, and this okay. case has seen everything right. from false oh, confessions yeah. to um, that's a weirdest
1: just, phenomena. False confessions,
0: I know, but people do it all the that's time. Weird. And but she, you know, she threw a, a wrench into it by by doing it while they're evaluating mm. the intruder theory, and it just kind of mixed up the case again. Yeah. And in two thousand ten, the case was reopened with the focus on the DNA samples. Which it should be, yeah. especially with the advances in DNA that we have every year. It seems like we are able to see Mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. An article from the New York Post on December 22nd, 2021, said the Boulder police were using new technology to enhance the investigation, but the case is still unsolved. Patsy passed away from ovarian cancer when she was 49 years old and never saw justice for her daughter's death. And John remarried and moved back to Atlanta, and all I can think is that I hope her last Christmas was amazing. I really do, right?
1: Because right. she died
0: the next day or that night.
1: The one thing that is weird to me, okay, it could be a different person. It could mm-hmm. be a it could be a random person, but that person who put this n- ransom note of one hundred eighteen thousand dollars, exact same amount of the bonus.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: That's where I feel there's some connection.
0: Oh, I'm sure. And if we could just match the DNA to the people, if we could find out who, mm-hmm. we would an- have, have all me, those questions answered. It could be simply
1: as a as a child perp, you know, that works at the bank and saw it. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying I, I, there's some there's something that's yeah. Weird. Th-
0: it is extremely strange. That's I I think so too. And and the fact that there was a draft done and then. The note was written out. Yeah,
1: that's weird. It's, it
0: is so weird. It is so weird. And I really wish that that we could find out. But unfortunately, even with advances in DNA, mm-hmm. I don't really hold hope for it. Yeah. So that's it know. for our Jean-Benet Ramsey episode. Yeah, woohoo. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I, I mean, yes, obviously there is a lot in here, and I could have, I could have really drugged this out. I could have made this yeah. a two or three, oh, yeah. maybe even a four parter. There's right. so much to this case, but I decided that it has been overtold so many times that mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. it's because it's so interesting, just because
0: mm-hmm.
1: of like the Who Done It, right? I mean, it's right. It
0: it's, is definitely a, a great one. Yeah. Um, and maybe one day we will dive in a little more deeper, but. So many people have already yeah. that I feel like
1: just leave it alone a little yeah, bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just give the summary for Christmas episodes so we can say we, we joined others in the podcast okay. community yeah. who have yeah. covered it for Christmas. Right. This was our year. There you go.
1: I like <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our John Benet Ramsey episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. You can reach out to us at wickedness true crime at yahoo.com. You can check us out at our website at TrueCrime and the Unknown.com and follow us on Instagram at TrueCrime. Check us out on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness, where you can also support us by clicking on that support button. And most importantly, though, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and help us get our podcast out to others just like you so you and others don't miss another episode. Until next week, from our family to yours, have a Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.